So hey, if you're new this morning, if you're joining us online uh, newly this morning, or if you're here in person new, we just want to say welcome. We're grateful that you came this morning, that you chose to worship with us. Uh, again, we always just want to know and acknowledge that there's a lot of great churches here in Sheridan, and uh, we're hoping you find a, a church home here. But if you don't find one here, we hope you find a church home because that's, that's really crucial. It's an important part um, of our walk, and so we want to make sure that... Uh, that we are helping people and facilitating people getting plugged in to a church body, a church fellowship. Um, uh, also, too, if you haven't, um, uh, download our app. We have an app available on your app store. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel. We have an Instagram. We have, um, we, we, we have a Facebook page. Can I see your phone real quick? Let me see here. I just want to get a selfie with everybody real quick. Can I just see it? Just like, that perfect. Okay, hang on, you guys. Oh, perfect, perfect. I just wanted to put that up on my page real quick, you know. Um, actually, let me, let me, uh, I think I better run this through a filter a little bit. I'm going to filter it. Let me just get this right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. How, how many of you, how many of you use social media? Yeah? Yeah, come on. Oh, shoot. Let me see. So I got a text, I'm sorry. I just gotta get this real quick. So these things have come into our lives, right? They, they have in, somewhat invaded our space, right? And, and, and so we're doing our, our, our series right now is, is Christ and the culture around us. And how do we approach cr uh, culture uh, from a Christian perspective? What does this look like? And we've got Reddit, we've got Facebook, we've got Messenger, we've got Instagram, we've got Snapchat. We have all of these different um, venues of, of connectivity, of, of social media, um, and, and, and before we really get started in this, I, I want you to know that this isn't an anti-social media message. But I do, I do think that we need to have some real precautions with this, and we need to bring this, just like everything un, in, in our lives, under and through the filter of God and God's Word, and what does this look like? Um, and so, so this isn't the enemy, but it has great capacity Maybe uh, for the first time in a long time, we have capacity uh, for evil on some levels that we didn't before. I'm going to show you here in just a second. We're going we're gonna to look at a trailer, and, and, and it's, it's going to talk. It's going to be um, a, a special that I want to encourage you guys to watch, and it's called The Social Dilemma. And it's about social media. It's about our smartphones. It's about what that looks like. But I want to give you some kind of interesting stuff real quick. In June, 20, June 29th of 2007, the iPhone came out. Okay? And, and, and right now, in your pocket is 100,000 times the processing power of what they used on the lunar module to land on the moon with 50 years ago. Is that crazy? Uh, computing capacity in the last 50 years has went up a trillion times. And, and this poses an interesting challenge and, and, and uh, some struggles uh, within our culture. All right, so if we could roll this trailer here. Do you think we can roll it here real quick, Todd? We're going to watch a trailer real quick on this, and then we're going to get started. When you go to Google and type in climate change, it 
you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident, that's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. I was the co-inventor of the Facebook like button. I was the president of Pinterest. Google. Twitter. Instagram. There were meaningful changes happening around the world because of these platforms. I think we were naive about the flip side of that coin. We get rewarded by parts, likes, thumbs up, and we conflate that with value and we conflate it with truth. A whole generation is more anxious, more depressed. I always felt like fundamentally it was a force for good. I don't know if I feel that way anymore. Facebook discovered that they were able to affect real-world behavior and emotions without ever triggering the user's awareness. They are completely clueless. Fake news spreads six times faster than true news. We're being bombarded with rumors. If everyone's entitled to their own facts, there's really no need for people to come together. In fact, there's really no need for people to interact. We have less control over who we are and what we really believe. If you want to control the population of your country, there has never been a tool as effective as Facebook. We built these things and we have a responsibility to change it. The intention could be, how do we make the world better? If technology creates mass chaos, loneliness, more polarization, more election hacking, more inability to focus on the real issues, we're toast. This is checkmate on humanity. Okay, so so that's a that's a trailer. That's a highlight reel, which which basically is what most of us is fake book. Uh, page looks like, right? It's, it's this highlight reel of our life that's, that shows the, the best, the happiest moments, the most beautiful moments, the most amazing moments, and all of these things um, in our lives. We are not going to approach this today on like a, a, a big conspiracy theory kind of a place. We're not going to start, we're not coming from there, but I think we need, also need to come from a place of reality. And we've got to look at, we've got to say, what's really going on in the world out there? What do we really see? And I think that any one of us would agree that we're seeing an incredible amount of division in the world today, right? Political polarization in our lives is, is at, at a point where, where we cannot even find a place to do bipartisan politics anymore. It used to be with politics that politicians could, could, could make concessions on, on the best behalf of the people, whatever they, they could give up some, some ideas, some thoughts. Uh, we all understand too that today, something called objective journalism doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, I saw a Facebook post and it said this, and some of you will get this. It said, there used to be this guy named Walter Cron Cronkite. And in the evening, he would read you the news, the happenings of the day. And then you would make up your mind what you thought about that kind of a thing, right? But that doesn't happen today. Everything has an agenda. Everything has a bent. And, and that's the main premise of this, uh, this thing that, that they're talking about is that on your Facebook feed, that there are incredible amounts. There are rooms and rooms and rooms and rooms full of computers at different places. And, and they are running these complicated algorithms 
that look at you, that look at what you like, what you click on, what, I mean, we all know this to be the truth, right? Because how many of you have been on Amazon looking at something and then you went online and over here pops up a bunch of advertisements for the very thing that's because you really are being watched. It's the truth. That's, that's the truth. This is really going on. This is really a part of our lives. I want to read you some stats, okay? Um, it says social media addiction is a growing phenomenon, not only in, in the United States, but worldwide. The average person right now spends two hours a day using social media, which amounts to five years and four months of your lifetime. In that time, a person could run 10,000 marathons or travel to the moon and back 32 separate occasions. For teens, social media time spent can be up to nine hours every day. Right now, 3.1 billion people, or roughly one-third of the global population, use social media. The, no, the number of social media users has grown by 13% in the past year. Increasingly, social media is also accessed on the go. If the world's social media users, 2.9 billion, are active mobile social media users, then 94% of all users are on social media platforms. So what did this do? This brought the internet personally to you and me, right? Used to be, if you're old enough, you remember some of these things. You remember that, that we had to do things like dial up, right? Remember that noise? You know, it sounded cool, right? It sounded like Star Trek, cutting edge at the time. You had to do, and it was on a family computer. When these came out, it brought the internet to you and to me personally. Now let's remember, what are these guys doing? What is Facebook doing? What are these other outfits doing? Who's paying for it? Who paid for their Facebook page in here? Who paid for any of your social media platforms? Somebody did. Advertisers are. Exactly. Now, now what, is the, what does the Bible say about money? Because we get this wrong sometimes. The love of money. Not money. Money has an incredible capacity for good. Money is amoral. Social media is amoral. Right? Honestly, our media and our internet usage really is a reflection of the morality that we hold on the inside. Now, when you watch this, if you watch this, this thing, I'm, I'm recommending that you watch. There's some interesting things that they say. These guys who, who, uh, who um, built all of this stuff, they say uh, one thing they all said was this. They said, man, we didn't see this coming. We really didn't. We saw it. We, we didn't understand that it had the capacity for this. We didn't get that, that there was a flip side to this coin. We were just looking at the good aspects of this stuff, and we, we believed that it was just going to be good. And, and you know, the, the funny thing about that is that, see, when we look at the world from a Christian perspective, what do we understand about, about me? I'm broken, right? Right? That like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, man. I'm going to forget his name. I'm not even going to try to remember. Uh, Eugene Peterson. Wow. How about that? <laughs> Eugene Peterson said this. He said, you know, actually, we're just a room full of sinners in here gathering together, right? And one of them you call pastor, right? <laughs> and this, so this is, this is the reality of us is that, is that we're broken. But you see, they, they didn't see that. They didn't see it that way because their worldview isn't necessarily a Christian worldview as they began this stuff. And this is why it's so incredibly imperative that we have a Christian worldview, which by the way, only about 5% of Christians, they say, actually have a Christian biblical worldview. So 
Um, so they didn't see the flip side because they didn't understand and didn't fully grasp this, the sinfulness of the nature of who we are and that there's an incredible capacity to flip this stuff from the good to the bad. 210 million people suffer from internet and social media addictions worldwide. 2018 study found that teens who spend five hours per day using their phones were almost twice as likely to exhibit depressive symptoms than counterparts who dedicated only one hour on their phones. Interestingly, the relationship between excessive mobile use and depression appears to be strongly linked to gender, with 58% more females than males experiencing depressive symptoms. A recent study con containing over 23,500 participants between the ages of 16 and 88 found that being a young girl, single female, was the most strongly associated with displaying addictive social media behavior. Addictive social media behavior was also strongly related to narcissistic personality traits and low self-esteem. A study found that 71% of Americans sleep with or next to a mobile device. 47 million people in America do not get enough sleep, and 55% more teens were sleep-deprived in 2015 than in 1991. 45% of people check social media instead of sleeping, and roughly 10% of teens check their phones more than 10 times per night. 50% of people drive while using smartphones and are checking social media. Let's see. 90% of drivers admit to using smartphones behind the wheel. Of those respondents, 50% reportedly use their smartphones to check social media. The CDC reports that each day nine people are killed and more than 1,000 are injured as a result of smartphone use while driving. 250 million Americans check Facebook daily. That's 74% of all Americans. Um, and 51% report checking Facebook several times daily. Suicide in our kids, in teens, has jumped 56% between 2007 and 2016. Now, these are, these are things that we have to start to look at. We have to really start to say, what's going on? And again, what are we going to do with this? Now, I would think that technology in general is a very interesting picture. And as we try to get some biblical backing on this, let's look at this. This is the book of Genesis. So, so let's don't argue about ages of things or anything, but let's just say that this book is at least 4,000 years old, written at least 4,000 years. This is ancient, ancient text. And it says this, it says, they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So God is, is, is kind of giving credit to humanity and the creative capacity that he gave humans that when they have the ability to share technology, he says nothing that they purpose to do will be impossible for them. That, that they have this amazing capacity to build on technology and to build on what one another do. Now, that's where we're at with our technology. You know, just newsflash, we aren't smarter than people used to be. We're not. 
We just have more, we have more technology. We have linked our information together and built on one another's ideas. And in some kind of a way, we're kind of building this really this, this tower of Babel all over again because technology has allowed us to supersede this idea that, the, that the, now the languages just aren't, they're not confounded anymore. They're not confused, right? Because I can type here in English and somebody in Japan can read it in Japanese and we can share information. And so that has got us to this place where almost once again, we're, we're kind of back in this race to, to, to say, who will be God in, in, in the world here? Will it be us and our technology, or we allow our technology and our good, uh, the things that we have to really come underneath God and his authority in our lives? So we just have this connectivity. We have this amazing thing that's, that's going on in the world around us. And we're, uh, we're struggling with this. Anybody get these? It's the like button, right? It's, it's the thumbs up. It's the like button. There's a, there's a heart on Instagram, right? I love what you're doing. And then the comments. Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh my gosh, OMG, you're amazing, right? And Lisa's a counselor. This stuff has real legitimate chemical things that go on in our brains. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the thing you're going to watch, there are two industries that use the, uh, the, the verbiage or the, the, the noun, I guess, user. The drug industry and social media and technology. They refer to their customers as users. Um, and, and the same thing is going on. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this thing, but here's the deal. Every one of those guys, they had an interesting thing. When they asked them, they said, do you let your kids do this? Unequivocally, across the board, they said, absolutely not, none, zero. These are the guys who are selling this to the world out there who understand what's going on, how it's going on, what they're doing, what the tactics are. See, they even said in the, this thing, they're like, hey, we, found, we, we fall prey to it too. Like the guy who was the CEO of Pinterest, it said, I was in my closet scrolling through Pinterest, making these boards. I know that never doesn't apply to anybody here. But, but anyway, he, he said, because see, we're, and we're incredibly arrogant if we think that the way that the human brain works and the, the, the understanding that they have and, and the, the money that's being pumped into this because they understand the power that's there, if you think that you're not susceptible to the psychology of the whole thing, you're just wrong. Because this is how we operate. This is, this is how we work. And this like button, right? Proverbs 18, 24, a man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What is, what is trying to be told to us here in Proverbs? It, it says you can't, you, you, okay. The average Facebook person has 338 friends. Okay, can you maintain 338 relationships? Probably not, right? So Beth Moore said, we're, we're miles wide and we're an eighth of an inch deep. This is the reality. We have a longing, we have a need for a friend who sticks closer to a brother. We have a real need for connection. We have a real need for relationship because you were created a relational being. And this is why this stuff works on you and me is because we were created for relationship. We were created for affirmation. We were created for love. We were created for identity. We were created for purpose. We were created for meaning. 
And there's one place that you and I can go to get that, and it's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. It's not Snapchat. It's not Reddit. It's your creator. It's the one who made us. And this is where it says that, how do we deal with this? Everything about our social media, everything about our lives and this stuff, it really has to come back under this. How do we be in it, but not of it? How is it that we are in it, but not of it? Because what happens is with this like button, people are living their lives like a beggar with a cup, asking everybody who comes by to put something in my cup, please. Please affirm me. Please give me value. Please give me some identity. Please tell me that I look good in my picture, that I'm hot. Nobody ever tells me that, but... Tell me something, you know, tell me, tell me, let's hear these things. And, and, and the, rea- the reality of this is those who are frequent users of these platforms are less happy, they're more depressed, they're more isolated, and they feel utterly alone in this world because this is not real connection, okay? And again, just gonna say, online church is a fantastic tool. It is not church. It's a great tool today. But you see, church isn't just coming and getting information. It's not coming and listening to me. You guys aren't going to remember next week what I had to say. But you know what is going to be really important is the relationships that are forged in this place and how you encourage one another and how you um, pour into one another's lives and make a difference. That's what makes church church. Church is not just the taking in of information. If you start to seek an online platform, it's not going to be long. And you say, well, I'm involved with the Rock Church because I'm involved online. It's not going to be long before you're not involved with the online Rock Church because you're going to find somebody who's a way better speaker than me, right? And why wouldn't you if the, if the idea behind it is just to get information, right? But you see, that's the thing. The problem with online church in that sense is that nobody, who's going to be, if, if you uh, kind of approach church like that. Um, give me a famous pastor, uh, Stephen Furtick. He's not your pastor. If something happens to you today in Sharon, Wyoming, he's not going to be there for you, but your church family will. And that's why it's imperative. It's important that we continue to do that. You see Facebook and these like buttons and all this stuff, it's comparing your insides to everybody else's outsides. And we do that when we look at their, 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 uh, their highlight reel. We're like, man, my life doesn't look like that. How come their life is so awesome? How come everybody around them is so amazing and beautiful? How come their Instagram vacation was so Instagram worthy? And they have all these cool pictures. How come their life looks like this and mine doesn't? How come I'm struggling? How come things at my house and my family aren't all just perfectly in a row? How come I'm struggling financially? Or how come I'm struggling spiritually? Whatever it is, it's just a highlight reel. And then in this online world that we live in today, guess what? Your past never goes away. There's no forgiveness. There's no, there, there's no do-over. There, there's no, yeah, I mean, golly, you know, politically, right? You just, what are they going to dig up? Who's digging up this stuff? And this stuff is out there somewhere in the cloud where I don't know where the cloud is. If anybody can help me know where the cloud is, I would, I would appreciate that. Seeing it's a tough thing and we're in a tough spot. And during times of high stress and difficult times, and we all know what it looks like to go through this and to live as a teenager. And you know what? Maybe we don't even know what it's like anymore. Maybe those of us who kind of missed it. See, remember that, that 
Since 2007, that's when the iPhone came up. And that's when suicides have went up 56% among our kids. And you know what the experts say? They say if you look at their Facebook page and you look at their Instagram page, you'd have no clue that they were in the spot that they were in. Why? It's because they're not turning back to real people in those times. They're not, they're not turning to parents and mentors. They're, they're looking to social media for affirmation. And all it takes is one negative comment and it deletes 50 positive ones on there for you. And, and, and they're looking at it, they're looking for a dopamine release that's really more akin to an addictive drug than looking for real answers. We all know about the political division that we're in, right? Can you even believe it? Seriously. I mean, can you, when you look out there and you look at where we're at and you're just like, wow, how do we get here? Well, I'll tell you, part of how we got here is exactly what happens if you're, if, when we are participating in this. We've got to remember that they're selling things. And bad news sells. And this is why I keep reminding us, most of the people that are out there just hold on to this. Most of the folks that are out there are good folks. They really want good things. Now, they may have a different idea of things, and they may be totally lost. But remember, like last week I said, don't expect uh, unsaved people to act like saved people. Don't, don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. And, and then the other thing, too, is, is just remember that lost people do lost stuff. And, and our job is to, is, to, is to come and lovingly bring truth. Another thing that these guys all said on this thing, and this one guy said it, and I said, wow, look at that. I preach that all the time through this. He said, if we don't get back to a place of truth, we're toast. We're truth. We're, 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 we have to have truth. See, in a world without truth, and this is, this is the result of what happened a long time ago when our culture began to throw the idea of truth out the window. And it said, there is no truth. Truth doesn't exist. Truth is your truth or my truth and your truth and your truth is your truth. Yours is yours, yours is yours. And, and, they're all, and basically they're all valid and they're all okay. And your truth is just your truth. We can't live like that. Living like that at a certain point is gonna lead to conflict. When you have no source outside of yourself other than your own truth, the only way to resolve that conflict is by power. It's by control. And this is where we're at right now. We're, our, our political systems in this nation are stuck in, in, in places of, of, of power and control, of trying to grasp control and power. Where does that end? It doesn't end anywhere good. It's about Jesus. See, and Jesus is the only one who's going to bring us to a place of forgiveness. He's the only one that is going to take the world that we're in and actually bring some real unity to it. He's the only objective truth that we can look to and then hopefully all agree and say, look, um, this is where we're going to go to to resolve our conflicts. See, with Anna and I, we both say that this is our authority. Right? Right? So when I look over and, and, I, and I see Anna's reading the bait of Satan on the couch, I'm like, um, is there a problem? You'll be okay. Um, and uh, we have a place that we can go and we can say, well, what, is, what does God say about it? What does God have to say about it? And, and we can resolve our conflict by both saying that we have a, a source of objective truth a place where we can go to. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids out there who are struggling and, and they're, they're taking their lives in this. 
Ravi Zacharias said this. He said, where destruction is the motive, unity is dangerous. See, when you get your Facebook feed, what you see is the reality of your profile, how you've been profiled. You're going to see things from your perspective. You're not going to see another perspective. And this is what leads people right now to be in the world saying, how come they can't get it? How come they're so stupid? It's because basically you're only seeing what you want to see. We're not open. We're not seeing other views. We're not seeing other things because they want to keep you clicking, clicking, clicking. This is the goal. The goal is just to keep you scrolling, to keep you going to the next thing, the next video, the next picture, the next thing, to keep you connected. Why? Because then they can sell advertising. And the better they are at that, the more advertising they sell, the more money they make. And our welfare, honestly, isn't in this recipe. The recipe of this thing isn't the welfare of the people that are using the product. So, what do we do? What do we do with this? Where's our identity? First off, I'm going to say this, and this is the message that we have to have, and not just to our kids, but to the kids that are out there, is that your identity, and we're all seeking identity. It's part of who we are. We, we, we ask that question, who am I? Who am I, and what is life about? Why am I here? What's the meaning behind life? And see, we have that answer, and we have the high privilege of sharing that answer and that hope with other people who don't have it. Telling them that your identity isn't found in your Facebook account. It isn't in the affirmation of other people. It's not by having your cup and asking everybody to put something into your cup as they come by. Your identity is in your creator and it is secure. That if you're in Jesus, you are positionally perfect before God. You are holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. That your sin debt is settled. That God is pleased. You have no need to please him. You aren't working to please him. You're not trying to impress him so that you're not trying to go out and do a lot of good works and stuff so that you look even better and you can put that on your Facebook thing too. No, no, we, we, we put that aside and we, we rest in the security of our identity that says that you're created on purpose, that you're created uh, in the very image of God, that you're an image bearer of God. And so is everyone out there. See, as Christians, we have to recognize and we have to see that the whole world out there has been created as an image bearer of God. I don't care how bad they disagree with you. I don't care how bad they get on your nerves. I don't care how bad you dislike them. They're an image bearer of God and they're worthy of our respect. And God wants to do a mighty work in their lives just like he wanted to do one in your life. And then Ephesians 2.10, you're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that he prepared in advance that you might walk in them. So once our identity is set, our purpose is then given. It tells us that the creator, the one who made you, has work for you. Again, the word there, the, the workmanship word is poema. It's where we get our word poem from. It says that your life is a poem that God wants to tell the world. He wants to tell the world the beauty and the sweetness of who he is through your life and through who you are. And see, everybody is out there and they're looking not for identity and they're looking in all the wrong places. We were created for identity. We're created for relationship. 
Revelation 2.17, who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. See, the idea of a new name is the idea of identity. In your name is identity. It's who we are. And God changed Abram to Abraham, and he changed Saul to Paul, and he changed Simon to Peter, you see there's a new identity within us where we can put the old identity aside, our old brokenness, our sin, the struggles that we have, the shame that we're packing, we can put it all aside and God is never gonna pull that back up on our homepage again and say, ah, remember that? You're still that. That's what the world does. The world's telling everybody you're still that. Remember that? Oh, I got it on, click. It's there forever. God says, I'll bury it at the bottom of the ocean and I'll choose to remember it no more. What a deal. So what do we do with this? Here's the challenge, church, okay? Here's the challenge. God has a principle in his word about this kind of stuff. And it's this. Esther 6.4, a Persian king, right? And a guy named Haman, who was his one of his henchmen. And it says, so the king said, who is in the court now? Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace in order to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows, which he had prepared for him. But in Esther 7.10, so they hanged Haman on the gallows, which he had prepared for Mordecai. And the king's anger subsided. David and Goliath, they don't teach this in Sunday school. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They always leave that out, don't they? Why do we leave that? We're not teaching our kids biblical truth. We don't even get the, it's not just a slingshot. He cut his head off. And you know what he cut his head off with? He cut his head off with the very sword that was meant to kill him, right? He turned the tables on the enemy, right? Genesis 50, as for you, you meant evil against me. This is Joseph. But God meant it for good in order to bring about his, this present result to preserve many people alive. God has this way of turning the tables on the enemy. Now, I don't know what the prince of the powers of the air in Ephesians 2 meant to the people back then, but I know what it means to me today. The prince of the powers of the air. I'm going to read that to you here. I got it. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. God will flip this thing. He'll flip it. And guess what? There's a message. There's a, there's a mission for the church out there, and it's this one. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So now at the same time, we have this platform that is bringing some real struggle and some real difficulties into our lives. But again, remember, it, it, doesn't, have, it doesn't really have this morality. It, it, it's a reflection, and it has the capacity for real evil, but it also has the capacity to be a platform to reach the whole world. What if we all collectively began to take the influence that we have in the sphere of those 338 friends you got 
And we began to proclaim the gospel, proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the earth. What if we turn the tables? What if, what if, what if just like Haman, the enemy is, is hung on the same gallows that he prepared for God's people, right? Because Mordecai, or, or Haman wanted to kill Mordecai and the, all of the Jewish people. He wanted to commit genocide on them, but he hung on his own gallows. Jesus defeated death with what? Death. You see, he flips the coin. He turns, the, he turns back on the enemy, the enemy's own tactics. I, I believe that maybe that the church, and this is why I want to say that I, I don't want to make this uh, some kind of a thing of demonizing of the, of the internet or of social media even, but how we do it. We've got to put it into the in it, but not of it category. We're not going to fall prey to the tactics of the enemy in this. We're not going to allow it to give us identity. We're not going to seek identity in it. We're not going to seek affirmation or likes or, or meaning or purpose in life. We've, we have those things and they're set securely. We need to put that aside and we need to take this platform and we need to reach the world with it. So I'm kind of excited about even the prospect of that. And I'd love to hear your ideas of maybe even some of what could that look like? What could that look like? How could we as a church take this thing and begin to flip it? Because there's an incredible capacity to reach the ends of the world. The, our, our language is no longer even stopping us, right? It, it's the gift of tongues on a keyboard, right? That, that we could speak. I'll, I'll tell you, I want to tell you one thing. Oh my, I don't have my phone. I <laughs> see, I'm not addicted. Um, two years ago, there was a, a girl that showed up at the church and she was a Chinese girl and she was working at a local motel and she came in here and I can't remember who was around, but somebody was, Marilyn, were you around? And somebody, they called and said, get up here. There's this girl and she, she wants to know about God. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And, and, uh, so I, 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 I called Anna. <laughs> That's what I always do when I'm in the jam. I said, what do I do? I don't know how to. And Anna goes, get Google Translate real quick. And I put Google Translate on my phone. Boo, download it on my phone. Bam. And guess what? I said, uh, you know, I, we started having this conversation. I started, you know, tell, I shared John 3.16. And I said, I said it on this end. And then it came out on this. It was like, oh, you know, not to make fun. I'm not making fun. I don't mean to do that. Um, but, but, but it came out in her language. And then she spoke into it and it came out in English. And we had a conversation. You see, this technology has this capacity to do something. And guess what? Guess what? So we left and she had another real influencer, um, somebody who was uh, really speaking a lot of Islam and stuff into her life. And she was really confused when she left here that summer. And just what, probably a month ago or so on our Instagram account for the church, she, she wrote this thing and she said, how are the people of Sheridan doing? I'll never forget my time there. Are they okay? I thought about getting a job and trying to get masks and bring them to you. How's everybody doing? I've worried about this time, but she said, in my anxiety, I have found we always have a friend, Jesus, Jesus. What a cool thing, huh? So we can flip this thing but we got to get on purpose to flip it. We got to get away from the distraction that it brings. I get distracted too, right? We get distracted in it. But what if we got purposeful? 
What if we saw this as a tool, the tool that it is to possibly reach the world? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are so good. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave all on our behalf, that you held nothing back. Thank you, Lord, that you have plans and purposes. Thank you that our identity is found in you. Thank you, Lord, that you're, you're good and that you love us, that you prepared works that we might walk in them. So, Lord, help us this day to know. Give us insight. Give us wisdom. Lord, you tell us in your word that when we lack wisdom, that you give generously and without reproach. So we're just acknowledging, Lord, that this might be an area of our lives that we don't really have wisdom in. But we know that you do, and we know you have a plan here, Lord. And we know that you, you flip the coin all the time. You flip the coin in our lives, Lord, and you stand ready to flip the coin in this world. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do that. And we ask, Lord, that you help us to know what our part looks like in the midst of that. And we want you, Lord, to receive all the glory and all the praise because you're worthy of all things. In Jesus' name, amen.